Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings this morning are from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 46. The Reverend Hannah Cornthwaite, chaplain of Eckhaus and pastor of St. Cyprian's Episcopal Church, is preaching. Her sermon is titled, How Do You Love an Unseen God? You'll find the link to our complete announcements in your email. Here are a couple of highlights. Today we will have a shortened social hour via Zoom at 11 a.m. And at 11.30 we will have the final installment of Carol Campbell's perspective class titled, Roots, Identities, Blind Spots, and Visions. We hope you'll join us. Next Sunday, November 1st, is All Saints Sunday, and we will be having a live worship service via Zoom at 10 a.m. We invite you to have candles for the ritual of remembrance and bread and cup for communion. A recorded version will be made available by Monday the 2nd. And now, in preparation to worship, you're invited to quiet yourself, becoming still, as you prepare to worship God. We shall love God with all our heart. We shall love God with all our mind. We shall love God with all our strength. We shall love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Let us worship God. Yes, yes hallelujah, amen. amen.
Let us pray. Loving God, for the goodness of life, we give you thanks. We acknowledge there are times when we have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive us that we may delight in you and walk in your ways. Now in silence, we continue our prayers to you. In Christ, we are shown what holiness looks like and how to live in love. We are forgiven and loved. Blessed be. A reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God, we give you thanks for these ancient words. Open our hearts and minds that we might hear your word for us this day. Amen. You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully maltreated at Philippi, as you know, we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in spite of great opposition. For our appeal does not spring from deceit or impure motives, or trickery. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel, even so we speak not to please mortals, but to please God who tests our hearts. As you know, and as God is our witness, we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed, nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others, though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you, that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, beginning with verse 34. Listen for the word of God. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. A second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question, What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. Here ends the reading. I often wonder what it means, what it feels like, looks like, what it takes even to love an unseen God. For many of us, this reading from Matthew is no stranger. Perhaps it's one of the few things, for better and worse, that many Christians can recall or believe in some fashion are the two greatest commandments of all, to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. But it's not just Christians whose laws hang on these. The first commandment comes from Deuteronomy, the concept of Shema, to love the Lord your God. This is the most basic yet greatest affirmation of the Jewish faith. And their world stands on three things, the Torah, service to God, and deeds of kindness. And I've also heard this preached across denominations, even across faith traditions, that we cannot love God without loving our neighbor, which I 100% believe to be true. And over the last seven months, the same questions keep coming forth in Eckhouse's small groups. How do you love a God who allows the people they love to be plagued? How do you love a God also worshipped by people motivated by hate? How do you love a God when your black and brown siblings are being murdered? How do you love a God when you don't know if the neighbor will call the cops on you because you're sleeping in your car? When you don't know where you'll sleep tonight because the library is closed, if you'll have food tomorrow, if you'll have next month's rent. How do you love God when the most basic, the most fundamental needs aren't being met? How do you love God when you haven't really experienced love yourself? 
How do you love God when your depression is unbearable? How do you love God when there are a whole lot of neighbors you just don't know how to love right now? How do you love God? How do you love an unseen God? I've been a pastor a while now, and I don't know how to respond. I don't know how to love God. Not like I love my partner or family. I don't get the same feelings of safety as when I'm hugging my people or sitting next to them on the couch watching our favorite show. Don't get me wrong, things with God don't often feel as hard, frustrating, or take as much energy as navigating the relationships I have, which is perhaps a good thing. But loving people, especially those closest to us, is really hard at times. And deep down in my core, I get my students' questions. How do we love an unseen God? What does loving a God that we can't see feel like, look like? I don't actually know. But there are days when things feel real rough in the world, when it's feeling really hard to like people, when people are frustrating and disappointing, when the chaos of the time of the world around us is too much. And it's hard to believe it will get any better in my lifetime. When I don't know how to love God or my neighbors. And recently I've been drawn to the mess ups of the Bible. Most recently has been Moses and the Israelites. God freed the Israelites from slavery parted the Red Sea and drowned the Egyptian army who was chasing them. And with Moses's leadership, they end closer and closer to the promised land. And then when Moses heads up the mountain to receive God's commandments, the commandments that are meant to help them be decent people, the Israelites get bored. They melt all their gold, make an idol, and worship it. And God gets mad, real mad. So mad that God is ready to destroy the very people that God just freed from slavery and has been leading to the promised land. But, moment, but Moses stops God. He comes out fighting for the Israelites, fighting for the very mess-ups God created. He reminds God that these people, these people are yours. They are your people. 
Give them a chance to make it right. Don't destroy them quite yet. It's not too late. A lawyer asked him, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws hang on these two. You see, we cannot love God without loving what God loves. We cannot love God and oppress or exclude any of God's people any of God's creatures, any of God's creation. Because God created it all, brought all into being. Because all are beloved. We are all God's beloved. And I think Moses teaches us perhaps one of the hardest things that loving God sometimes means fighting for our neighbor. The good, the good neighbor and the mess up, the righteous and the unrighteous, the agreeable and the not so agreeable, the ones we understand and the ones we don't. Loving God looks like not giving up on each other especially when hope runs thin. As we have all probably heard and been reminded of way too many times, these are hard times. They have been hard times and they aren't ending anytime soon. But beloveds, the good thing about Sunday is that we're reminded that we are surrounded by good people to walk this path with. Just last Sunday, I was reminded that we might be separated, but we are not isolated. We still have each other, regardless of the distance between us. And we will walk these next few days these next few weeks and months together. Let us love God by loving what God loves as hard as it might be. Because, beloveds, the good news is we aren't expected to do this alone. We have each other. Thanks be to God. Amen.
we believe in God, who is alive and present and imparting the mystery of love to us. We believe in Christ, who shows us how to live into that mystery. We believe in Spirit, who infuses the mystery of love into all of creation. This we believe. Amen. Let us pray. God of creation, we give you thanks for this planet we call home, for the air that blankets the earth, for the rich soil that takes in the dying, offering sustenance for life, for the cool water lapping on the sand, for the wild thread of community, seen and unseen, of which we are part. We give you thanks. In the early days of our separation, we felt acutely the gift of our siblings. We were touched by the way neighbors in Italy lifted one another through song. 
These days we are more present to the friction we feel, confounded by our fellow citizens. So we pray for balance. We pray that we might be led by love. When we are unable to see the holy before us, expand our vision, ease our fear, draw us back to you. Wrap your arms around the 7th Avenue community that we might be sustained in this moment together. And now in silence, we continue in prayer for the world and for ourselves, for those we love and for those we struggle to love, that we might love our neighbors and so love you. We make this prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Let us go forth with renewed hope in community, filled with neighbors, likable and not, who house the holy. grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. <laughs>